0: Hello there, listeners, and welcome back to Suck My Fanfic. This is our Alita Battle Angel Part 2 episode. I believe this
1: is, what, episode 47? 40, 48? It's one of those. I'm uh, I'm not paying attention. I'm so, I'm so focused on the future, I'm on episode 73 already. I'm already planning it out. Because you know these are meticulously planned. Okay, so what's the episode about then? What's episode 73 about? So the, the episode is actually going to be about uh, a property that hasn't been created yet. Um, so I will let you know when it comes out. It's going to be pretty groundbreaking. Uh, I can't pronounce oh. it yet because it's named after Elon Musk's baby. But it's uh, it's pretty good stuff. Okay, so
0: I actually just watched half of the uh, new Elon Musk Joe Rogan experience. And he does explain how to pronounce the baby's name. How do you pronounce the name? It's X-X. And then that A-E is actually pronounced Ash, mm-hmm. and then A-12. So it's X-Ash-A-12 is the baby's name.
1: That cleared up precisely nothing. Why would you name a
0: child that? Okay, so the X and the A-E, the Ash, were named by Grimes, who I still don't know who that is. And the A-12, the A-12 was the original name for the SR-71, but unfortunately Grimes, in her explanation, said it was the original name for the SR-17. Mm. And Elon Musk got to correct that. So it's the 71, SR-71 Blackbird, which is a awesome jet. It was so fast it could not hold any sort of weaponry because it would run into it. If it shot bullets, it would hit itself with the bullets. That's amazing. Yes, it was made out of titanium because it would get too quick uh, and the friction would actually melt the steel so they had to make it out of titanium.
1: Now, could it be piloted
0: by a human or did it have to be uh, controlled remotely? SR-71s were piloted by humans. I think the fastest time between LA and New York they went was somewhere under two hours. Wow. Which is normally like a five and a half hour flight. Six-hour yeah. flight. Well,
1: if you're flying Spirit Airline like me and you have to get out and push halfway through, <laughs> it's like ten and a half.
0: Yeah, ten and a half, yeah. So he named his kid after, as he put it, the coolest
1: jet ever. <laughs> hey, you know, it's like when George Costanza named his kid, what, seven? Oh, yeah. That's right. everyone's choice. Well, the, um, the X-Ash A12 uh, docuseries is a Quibi, Netflix, Hulu. Tiger King-esque. TikTok smash-up. Um, oh, no. Narrated by Joe Exotic in the year 2042. And it's it's lit, and it has a very, very, very toxic fanfiction community, and I can't wait to go over it with you. Do you mean narrated by Nicolas Cage as Joe Exotic? <laughs> it's uh, it's actually, they popcorn read the script, so they go back and forth.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty lit. Well, interesting. Uh, well, here we are in our second part of of Battle Angel. We are Suck My Fanfic. My name is Alex. My co-host's name is Ryan. And we rate, review... Criticize and talk about fan fiction and pretty much everything in between with pop culture and I mean just a whole mess of things. Uh, we 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 really aren't consistent with what we do, but who
1: cares? If there's one thing that's a hallmark of this channel, it's our inconsistency. I was I, I couldn't have said it better
0: myself. I mean, it's just just true. Last last episode, I was going to say last week, but we haven't kept to a schedule like that since last year. So last episode, we talked about Elite Battle Angel with both of us never having consumed anything related to Elite Battle Angel. Because quite frankly, we were just trying to get them listens. Ryan, do you know how well that money grab paid off? I do not. I do not. Very well. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lucrative choice. Very good. Yeah, No, our listen rate got really good. So uh, maybe we'll just become the elite at And I say that jokingly, but I, y'all are passionate, and I definitely appreciate that. I can appreciate when someone is passionate about something and is soaked on something. So good for you guys. But man, so when we had our, our little our little money grab, we were like, well, we can't just stop at one, you know?
1: It's it's like uh it's like Doritos or Cheetos or uh beautiful women. You you gotta have more. <laughs> or like a Fast and the Furious film. It's like they still went to see this one. We gotta crank out another. <laughs> Everybody died at the end of it? We gotta crank out another one. What
0: what's uh, Vin Diesel's name in the movies? Dom. Dom. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, the movies were over, but a federal agent approached Dom and said the word family and he just had to do it again. <laughs> Well, family, we're back for another Elita cast. family. <laughs> Here we are, family. You son of a bitch, I'm in. So we we determined mid-cast last episode that I would watch the movie and Ryan would read the manga. I think it worked out pretty well. I, I decided, uh, since Ryan was putting in so much work with the manga, because I have to imagine, it was more than the two and a half hours, two hours I put in for the movie. So I was like, oh, you know what, I'll watch the anime too. So we, we between the two of us, collectively, we have consumed... The Elita verse. I don't think you read all of the anime, obviously, but you read a good portion, right? How many? How many volumes?
1: I read the first three volumes, seventeen chapters.
0: I, I've never read anime, so I'm assuming that that's a lot. Good for you, bud.
1: Yeah, it was it was a decent. Amount. I mean, I um I did enjoy them. It went it went rather went rather smoothly. I am no I I have you know read a decent amount of manga, so I kind of know you know when to kind of sift through and be like, oh, this is just kind of hokey stuff. And went to buckle down and really analyze the panels.
0: So for everyone who's who's never listened to us before, normally we'll start off with something stupid like we did already, and then uh, we'll get onto like an opening topic. But I, I'm saying let's forfeit the opening topic and let's just let's just jump right into it. So what were your the, the
1: manga came first. What are your thoughts on the manga? Let's talk about this. So my immediate impressions of the manga are uh, I, I was I knew what the premise of the movie was, so I was immediately looking, you know, for kind of similar beats. I didn't really find them. Uh, it's it's pretty episodic. It's like a monster of the week, at least as long as as, as far as the volumes mm-hmm. go. And you can kind of imagine how this was published and shown in jump, where it's like there's a some like a boss of every volume, a big bad yeah. that Alita is, has to. I need to get faster, you know. I need to like <laughs> level up and, yeah, and yeah. defeat. Um, so in that way, it, it it kind of pulls you along in the reading, and it basically you know goes through her awakening. And kind of understanding who she is and remembering her past in this world of cyborgs and this world is so densely the cyberpunk world that um i, I can't believe a uh, yukito kishiro i hope I pronounced that correctly okay. the creator has mm-hmm. created it's so dense it's like teeming with life and um there's just all these interesting bizarre machinations and cyborgs everywhere and it's a really lived in um universe right off the bat that you're kind of thrust into so i i thoroughly enjoyed that world building aspect of it interesting so did they get a lot into
0: like the past of the world in the anime or in the manga
1: no, like I said, it's like a lived-in society. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. you know certain social hierarchy with various um, industries and and roles in, in that society, and they kind of just go. It's like Aleta is awake. Uh, she's hanging out with Doctor Ito, and and the adventures begin. And you kind of learn along the way what the bounty hunter system is like, uh, the mm-hmm. various you know hustles that that people are pulling on the street um it really makes it seem like a very you know desperate desperate to become socially mobile like technopol technopolis so or whatever you want to say it um you know they're really scientifically advanced everybody's like a has a master's in mechanical engineering essentially so i'm pretty jealous because everyone's working with actuators and things mm-hmm. and and, and uh, uh kishiro really he embeds a lot of pretty pretty solid like scientific ideas in, into his into his writing and um, yeah. a lot of stuff about um, some philosophy and, and a lot of neuroscience. So you use a lot of like real scientific terms and, and theories for its its um, its fiction, which I really like. So did that help with like the credibility of the story that you were able to connect it to in
0: real life? Yeah,
1: it, it definitely. Seems, this is not fantasy. I mean, it's it's like the far future with you know ground, ground, yeah, grounded in our uh, in kind of what could be possible if we continue down this road of like artificial intelligence and. And, uh, you know, upgrading and, and, you know, superhuman prosthetics and things like that. Okay, so I actually, I'm I'm,
0: I'm not glad, but I'm interested that you said that the manga didn't explain it either. Because the anime and the movie both did not really give a great background on how we got to where we are when the story starts. I actually had to watch some, I guess, promotional clips that they released on YouTube explaining the world. Mm-hmm. At first, I was kind of critical that they put this out because I was like, why would they do that? But then I realized that with my favorite property that's coming out in December, if they don't release something for Dune, people are going to be really confused (laughs) on why what's happening is happening. Which is why, actually, in the 1984 version, David Lynch... Oh, Dune. I'm sorry. I
1: thought you were talking about uh, Trolls 2 World Tour. You're talking about Dune? Well, that's the
0: second favorite. Yeah. But, you know, with Dune, uh, in the 1984 movie, they actually had to give you a paper, a glossary of terms when you bought a ticket.
1: (laughs) That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So... You know, I was kind of critical of the fact that I had to, like, watch some weird thing on YouTube to understand what was going on. That was put out by the the movie. But to my understanding, someone's going to correct me in the chat if I'm wrong, which is okay. This is for your benefit, Ryan, because I was also lost. We know that there were people on Mars that settled there, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe they were called ORM, the Ocean Master. No, ORM, I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but ORM for the the Mars people. Maybe URM, United Republic of Mars. Maybe URM, maybe Mm ERM. But they get into a war with the Earthlings, and their top... Top, top weapon are the Alita models, the the, the people that they turn into cyborgs and become the, the pans or kunsts, and they are sent to Earth to fight the humans, and the humans are not as technologically advanced on Earth as they are on Mars, and they simultaneously release some sort of a virus to attack the Earthlings, and that's why we have the floating cities. Because the people that are rich build these floating cities to get away from the viruses. Mm-hmm. And that's why people on Earth kind of get decimated. And it's not the way it was because a lot of people die. Uh, but the Earthlings have their final strike where they release an even worse virus on Mars and kill everybody on Mars. Uh, which makes the
1: cyborgs like Galita all at once fall simultaneously. Or Oh, man. That's awesome. Like a fallen angel. Yeah. Well, just like falling out of the sky. Well, that's... You get little tastes of that. There's little teases mm-hmm. of... There's a reason why there's like an aristocracy that lives in in the clouds and things like yeah. that, but you don't get the full um, you don't get the full effect. It is kind of like Dune; it's like parcelled out. And again, like, I think that really fits both the way you talk about the way that Dune was published episodically in a magazine, and the way that mm-hmm. this was published again, like you know, semi weekly or whatever the frequency is in shown and Jump. It, it kind of it's like there's a huge history and everything behind it, but if you're only getting it in these short bursts, it kind of behooves the author to to kind of drag you along a little bit.
0: Yep. Yep. And I, I like that, but I, I would have liked if At one point we did get that in the movie and um, I didn't, you know, I didn't really get a definitive, you know, backstory like I would have liked, but I also understand that the story wasn't about how we got there. The story was about Alita, Alita, not Alita about Alita. And I understand why they didn't make that decision. So you can't, yeah, you can't knock it for that.
1: It's so hard. And I'm really interested to see how Dune handles it when you're dealing with such a big financial gamble, essentially as a film. Yeah. Where you really need to get people on board. You can't you can't try it out for a couple of volumes or a couple of chapters and and see how it is. It's like people need to be on board. They need to know what's happening. They need to know who the good guys are and the bad guys. And yeah. they need to know the motivations. It needs to be pretty clear or else they'll get confused and you know shut down. So it, for a property like this, where I think one of its charms is kind of its mystery and how slowly it's rolled out, it, it does seem like a bit of a gamble for... For a film, do you, do you want to start talking about the the anime into the into the movie now? Do you have anything else uh, about the the manga that you you want to get to? Or the last thing I want to say about the manga is the reason I kept buying the volumes and I kept getting progressively more expensive was because Motorball does not happen at all until like the third volume. It's not even breathed about. And from what I understand in the promotional films, uh, it, there's like that's a big part of the movie. Yes and no.
0: <laughs> I can tell you with the anime, I don't think they mentioned Motorball once. They mentioned the Gladiator. Uh, the death death cyborg gladiators. Oh yep. It's my understanding that they're two separate
1: things. There's like a gladiator death
0: ring and then there's also motorball. Is that right yes. in the in the manga?
1: Yeah, they happen in different districts. The gladiator ring happens like in the scrapyard, like the main district you begin in. Mm-hmm. But then there's like a western district that favors Motorball. So in the anime in the anime it's just
0: the the gladiator, gladiatorial stuff. Just fine, but like you said in the promotional for the movie, it looked like the motorball was going to be a big thing, and it was not in the anime. Uh, you're going to be able to tell just from me talking about it. I did not like the anime. I'm also <laughs> going to preface. I'm going to preface my critiques and preface my my notes on the anime with, I don't generally like anime, anyways. So as a as an audience member who doesn't already you know, already doesn't really care too much for this. Art style, this art form, this this type of movie, I'm not. I'm already not a big fan. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. If it, you know, if you disagree with me, and I'm not attacking anime. There's nothing wrong with it. If you Like anime, go ahead and watch it. I'm happy that people love it. It's just not something that is like typically my cup of tea. What I, from what I know about anime, this is. Uh, I think it was made in the early '90s, and it is something that is just so heavily rooted and the trends of anime in that time, where it's just one of those things where I was like, I just,
1: it was it was tough for me to get through it. And I got through it, which you know, I got through it. Credit, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like and I'm gonna rate your podcast because you went that extra mile for me as a listener. I appreciate that.
0: I, I mean, it, it definitely took some time. I this is the first time I've watched a, a movie that wasn't a documentary and it took notes. So, uh, film, film podcast. You know, you guys got to give me some props. I, I, you definitely don't have an easy job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a shout out on that one. Movie seller. I mean, how do you guys do it? Well, yeah, you watch the movie and you talk about it right afterwards. So. But anyways, uh, I'm just gonna try to go through my notes real quick for the anime, and you can kind of jump in with the the, the manga. Uh, the pacing for it, like the dialogue, is insane. <laughs> it is like you'll say something, and then immediately i like, "Oh, that's cool." Uh, you know, like Ito will be
1: like, "Hey, Hugo, go and get that part." You watch the dub. You watch you watch the dub. Then yes, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean that that'll. I mean that'll. It's unnatural unnatural way that the the two languages kind of get translated to each okay. other. Okay,
0: and that's I mean that's a fair point to bring up, especially with someone who hasn't you know doesn't watch anime. Anime. I think the only anime, only anime I've ever watched was Yu Gi Oh, and if you count that as an anime, then here we go. The score was cool. I liked it. It was futuristic. It fit with the tone. Score was cool. Hmm. Uh, I. They're... So, I don't know about in the, the manga, but in the movie, there's a character who is, like, uh, Dr. Ito's assistant. She's a black lady with a cyber uh, cybernetic arm. In the anime, it's a dude with half of his head, and he's a drunk.
1: Yeah, that's what it's like in the manga. Yeah, he's he always worst. drinking, and he's got his head. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just the absolute worst. Yeah, I mean... If he's, like, the donkey to Dr. Edo's Shrek, he is not doing a great job. He, he definitely is an ass, if that's the case. <laughs> uh, so he, I, I, I little the
0: note is literally, WTF is up with the dude with half a head. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, I just wasn't.
1: Yeah, dude, I don't really know what his chick is either. Yeah. He's, like, his helper. He's, like, his Igor to his Frankenstein. But he
0: didn't even do anything. He just, like, criticized people. And also, he was the one that, like, spoon-fed plot by, like, speaking about it. In, in the anime, at least. I put lines fall right on top of each other.
1: Back to your point about the the uh, the exposition yep. dump that is his assistant. Yeah, pretty much when the berserker body shows up, he explains it. All, <laughs> yes. and there's just a question mark at the yeah. end. I'm like, I guess that was a question.
0: Uh, I also put that the written dialogue is just not very good. It wasn't. I understand it's a translation. It was a dub, so you get mad at me for for saying I didn't like the way it was translated.
1: Describe describe what you mean by not good because i I like to hear I like to hear what you have to oh, say. Oh, it
0: was just it's just oh,
1: it's just not the way that people talk and there there's like one
0: part it's the worst part of the entire anime where uh Alita and Hugo are talking and it's that scene i don't know if you got into the manga it's a it's a pretty big scene in the movie where they're kind of alone and they're talking about what their plans are to like whether or not they want to go to Zalem or Zalem or anything like that and oh it's just so awkward cuz he's like yeah i love Zalem and she goes oh and he's like what And she's like well i love you and he's like oh well, i love you too and she's like well i could kill you and he's like what and she's like if you went to Zalem that would upset me and i could kill you and you're like wait what what are you <laughs> what what are you talking about where did this come from and she's just like talking about like how justified she would be to murder him because he loves Zalem as well as her and it's just it's like what are you talking about where did this come from and she's she has such an innocent voice so it's like it's even scarier because you're like no don't do that
1: (laughs) yeah i it's it's like that too and i chalk that up to just like it's really pulpy that's like what i said at the beginning like it's like Oh, I have to describe this uh this new weapon and exactly what it does. And i it's very it's very stilted. Yeah. The dialogue is not great. No. I, even in the manga, there's some points like there's some points where they quote uh Nietzsche mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, cool and then they talk about, you know, the robotics and the science and the neuroscience. And I'm like, Okay, cool. And then there are just some there are just some really uh just kind of cringy exchanges uh. Uh, that yeah i know what you mean
0: uh so next i I put that some of the voice acting was super cartoonish which i understand it's a cartoon but it just it literally felt like i was watching like a looney tunes at some point with the voices and i was like this is not how it's supposed to Hmm. be um there is a really cool reveal where they show how strong she is uh she and hugo fall through a a piece of flooring and she catches him and it's it's just like a cool moment it's not in the movie uh i said they did a really good job depicting earth as a wasteland because i think they did it was drawn Almost, to the, almost to its detriment. Like it was too much of a wasteland, especially compared to the movie, which mm. looked like it was thriving but still kind of small. The anime
1: was just, mm-hmm. just bleak. Uh, they also, oh god, that might have that that might also have to do something with the the budgetary restraints yeah. of an anime. It could be pretty expensive to animate all that.
0: They have so many anime, huh? 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 <laughs> just, just really random. Yeah, I like I, it's that you know the anime speak where um, they like make unnecessary like grunts and Hans just because it's supposed to be something to like help them emote. And, uh, I, again, if that's the thing that's, that's a part of the art form and people like it, that's fine. It was just, it just threw me off because it was just like a, a lot of like, huh? Especially, Ito. so Alita mercs a dude, a fifth of the way, and it takes her one fifth of the anime to get like into battle mode, which is fine. Ito did not know that she was made for combat in the anime. He did not know that when he initially,
1: uh, puts her together. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. He didn't know that in the manga either. Which makes you really think: what were his purposes picking up a pretty young girl yeah. out of the scrap heap? If okay. so, did it when in the
0: scrap heap? Did it start where he finds her body? He or first off, he pulls the eye out of the robot. He finds her body and then lifts it up in the air in triumph.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm going back to that panel now. I believe so. Okay, that's
0: how it happened in both the anime and the movie. So I like that there's that continuity between the three.
1: Yeah, I believe so. I'm pulling them. Yeah,
0: I'm not a big fan of the way they portrayed Sharon in the anime. Sharon, Sharon, uh, specifically because they, like, hypersexualized her for absolutely no reason. <laughs> There's one point where she is, like, looking out the window and she just has a tit hanging out for, like, literally no reason. No way. I, oh, yeah, he pulls that oh, Yeah. Okay, so that, that is a point of continuity between the three with the, the, the finding her is the same. I like that. Yes. I like that. Uh, but yeah, Sharon, there's literally one scene where her, like, her tits just out. She's, like, laying on her bed naked, and then she just, like, looks out the window. And when they, like, focus on her from the outside point of view, it, like, the curtain is, like, halfway over her chest. So there's just, like, one boob just popping out. And they're like, what's the point of this? And like, who is it? Wait, wait which, which character is this?
1: Sharon. Sharon, do you
0: pronounce it. Ito's ex-wife.
1: Uh, she is not in the manga, at
0: least not through the first three volumes. Okay, well, she's in both the anime and the movie and honestly if they had made that artistic choice in the movie i i probably would have been there for it but it's whatever (laughs) at one point they talk about upgrading garishka to make him indestructible and i was just like well why didn't you just do that in the first place (laughs) you know if you're you know what's the point of doing it in a process make him indestructible to begin with Mm -hmm. did you get to the scene where she goes to the bar and she talks all the hunter killers and tries to, like, rally them in spirit and, like, have them fight with her and stuff.
1: Yes, I have a great line. That's when she, like, kind of makes enemies with Zappan. Yeah. Zappan. In the, in the manga, okay, I don't know what she says to incite him in the other two. But in the manga, she, uh, she gets up and says, what's your problem, bitch? And that pretty much just kicks it off. Not in either of those does she say that.
0: <laughs> is there a dog in the manga? Uh, yes, there is. Does the dog get murdered in this scene? No, the dog stays alive in the manga, because it it saves the baby at the end. Okay, so you know how Garishka gets his, like, whip fingers, basically? Yeah. Well, he comes to the bar in the anime, and he's very angry, and he extends them, and they show them wrap around the dog, and then tighten, and then come back. And you know that, like, really cartoonish thing where someone will get, like, sliced in half, but their body will stay together for, like, a second, and then they'll fall apart? Oh, yeah, dude. That's, that's like, some Inuasha ninja stuff, yes. Okay, well, they did that with the dog, but then they just made his body explode. Just straight up, just ching 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 po. And it was just, like, the the (laughs) most graphic way to kill a dog possible. And I was like, why? (laughs) There's no reason to do this. No one liked Gurishka to begin
1: with. So you're just making people hate him more, I guess? So Gurishka is the, uh, he's like the worm that inhabits the other bodies, right? No, he's just a cyborg. (laughs) He's a cyborg. Okay, because I'm looking up, I'm thinking, the guy with the fingers in the manga is... Makaku.
0: Yeah, I read that they. I read that they changed it.
1: Yeah. So Makaku is the guy who like inhabits other bodies and takes on their mental capacities and their all their abilities. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm looking at a picture of him. Oh Jesus. Oh, in the anime, he looks kind of like Doc Ock from the Spider Man. Yeah, he he looks bad. Uh, animated series. <laughs> he looks bad. But they it doesn't look great. They get
0: in a fight, and it's weird because they're in the bar, but then out of nowhere, it looks like they're like in the middle of nowhere fighting. And, uh, there's just, mm-hmm. there's one point where she, like, he, like, hits all these boulders up in the air and she's jumping off of rocks in midair. And I just, I hate that. It's just not physically possible. Uh, yeah. They do that in the manga too. She, like, jumps off his fingers. Yeah. Uh, and then also she, it's never explained in the manga. It's sort of, or, or in the anime, it's sort of explained in the movie. She just, out of nowhere, has this, like, blue lightning and, like, blue energy that comes out of her body and she just, like, punches him and murks him. And that's just, like, never explained or talked about again. yeah. It's just plasma. It's plasma. Yeah, it, it's talked about in the movie, but it's just not talked about in the, in the anime, and it's just like, what? So I, I put in all caps, Super Alita nice. Energy Punch. <laughs> Hugo, I don't know about the manga. He is stealing actual spines from people. He is pinning people down and yes. taking their spines,
1: and it is just brutal. Yes. It is brutal in the manga as well, and I like that. Yeah. I, I'm, I was like reading that. I'm like, there's no way this is in the movie. Also... Is it Hugo? Because in the manga, it's Yugo, and I don't like that it was anglicized. So he he's also Yugo in the anime.
0: I've just been calling him Hugo because okay, that's how they referred to him in the movie. But it is Yugo in the anime. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote that no one in the anime felt good to me, except for maybe Dr. Ito, but everyone kind of felt bad. Everyone felt like they weren't good people because everyone's, like, stealing body parts from other people. Everyone's, like, killing people. It's, it's definitely like a Wild West on the ground, and that's not how it's portrayed – and the movie. The movie is a lot more yeah. idyllic. It definitely has its like crime. But the anime is just like so bleak about it. So it's like, why do I want to root for any of these people or why do I really care? Like everybody's bad.
1: Yeah. I'd agree with that with the with the manga. It, it does make your protagonists seem a little mm-hmm. a little more um likable. But that's kinda of what I was getting to. I really like the fact that it's a very grimy uh world where everyone's like yeah. on their hustle trying to, you know, survive in this very dog eat dog, dog eat robot dog mm-hmm. world.
0: There's Sharon and not Nova, uh, Maharshira, Ali. What's his name? Why can't I can't think of his name. Vector. 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 So Sharon and Vector, Sharon, Sharon and Vector have a like pretty sexual relationship in the anime. In the movie, it's implied. I don't know about what it's like in the the, the manga, but there's literally one scene where she's just like getting eaten out on his desk, <laughs> and then they just like talk, <laughs> and it's just like in the anime. Yeah, in the anime, and it's like why did you put this in? Like, what's the point
1: of putting this in? Do you just want to sexualize it or (laughs) they just didn't feel like there was a reason to sexualize it again? I don't, maybe I'm being obtuse, but I do not remember a Sharon at all from the anger. I don't know, dude. There's like no estranged wife, no love interest really for Edo. Yeah. Uh, And
0: then what's weird is after she's like gets eaten out, he like goes and deals with something and she just like walks to another window naked And at that time, Garishka just like totally obliterates. It's actually, I think it's like a porch. He just like totally obliterates it, and she's just like standing there with her chest hanging out. She's like, "What's going on?" He's like, "I need to be remade." And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's like you just you just drew the boobs because you wanted to. There's no reason to draw the boobs. And again, again, (laughs) if that happened in the movie, I wouldn't have complained. But um, who knows? Who knows? I wrote that the fight scenes are lackluster. They're not very interesting. They're super short. I wasn't engaged. Uh, They gave Yugo this backstory about his brother. I don't know if they did that in, in the manga. I didn't care. It didn't yep. it, it didn't give me any yep. reason to care about why he wanted to go to Zalem or Zalem. I just didn't care. They, like, they had this, you know, thing where he was, like, riding his brother's shoulders and all this other stuff. I'm like, I whatever. I don't care, Hugo. <laughs> I, that doesn't really give me
1: enough reason to believe that you want to go to Zalem so badly. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's a little, in the manga, it's, like, played out that it's been, like, a very, very long time. And it's kind of parceled out over the course of, like, four issues that it's his brother's deal. But, yeah, it is kind of all explained all at once. Yeah. I could forgive you for for feeling that way. Yeah.
0: There's literally no mention of uh rollerball in the entire movie of the anime Motorball Motorball. Uh sorry. Uh there was no shock when we found out that Ito is from Zalem, like none. I I just didn't care in the anime. And I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I literally know I was like, "All right, whatever, you're from Zalem, cool." They when there, you know, the the big climactic moment where they're on the 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 tether and, you know, they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. I reached Zarm when we met and didn't know it. Says Yugo. And because the voice acting is so annoying, I just didn't care. It was like a cheesy line, and it was cute. It was like,
1: this just didn't feel like it fit with the tone of the movie. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, in the manga, it's mostly about what, um, Alita says at that moment to, to Yugo. He's not really saying anything. He's kind of catatonic, or right before it gets sliced. It's a conversation in the anime.
0: Needless to say, I didn't like the anime. If you like Alita, I, unless you really like anime, I don't recommend watching it. I, I don't know. I, it wasn't for me. It's not something that I will watch again or desire to watch again. Those are my notes for it. I could have said more, but I just wanted to get away from it. <laughs> That's fair.
1: Yeah. So, so 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, it sounds like.
0: Uh, I'll say 10 out of 10 for the anime. However, I do want to preface, before we get into the movie, because I know we talked about it a little bit. For those of you listening, movie, movie podcast community, don't get mad at me. I'm not going to rate it out of 10. First off, if you listen to us, if you know us well, my philosophy is already, if I like the movie, it's a 7. I'm not going to rate it a 7. I'm not going to rate it a 10. I'm not going to rate it anything.
1: Why? Because... Because you hated it. Because you hated it. It's a zero. All right. We got to burn this podcast to the ground. Come with me, Elite <laughs> Army. Let's, let's, Let let's, let's me lead you to the bomb. Let's brigade that. this.
0: Uh, that's also not true. The reason I don't want to do that is because I feel like every time that people go into something listening for ratings, it subconsciously, consciously is just sort of a reason uh, to confirm your bias towards the movie and you know it's very quick for you to see that i gave it a eight out of ten and if you hated the movie gonna be like oh i don't need to listen to what he has to say and if you love the movie you're gonna be like oh i don't need to listen to what he had to say i also liked it or you're gonna listen just because you want to be patted on the back and uh, that's not why i'm here uh, I, I i think i said last episode i was gonna give it an honest go and i was gonna give my honest opinion and this is coming from someone who as i've made very clear doesn't watch a lot of movies i like superhero movies and indiana jones and back to the future and besides that i don't i i'm not a a, a, a cinephile so if you don't like what I have to say, you know, I read books more often than I watch movies. That gives you an idea of where my opinions are coming from. Is that fair, Ryan? I'd say that's pretty fair. Yeah. So I, but I, the reason I'm saying this is because if, if you're here to listen to what we have to say about Alita, I want you to base, you know, what you interpret our opinions to be from what we're saying, not from ratings that we're giving. You know what I mean? I, I think that's just a more, a more nuance. It's going to take a little bit more time, but I think it's a better way of understanding where we're coming from and what we think about it.
1: I think that
0: idea is an eight out of 10. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, so, to begin, you know the 20th century Fox logo? Yep. They do a spin. It's a 26th century Fox, Fox logo, and it's ro- worn down oh, and cyberpunk love it. It's cool. It's cheesy. It's cool. Love it. I like love it. it when they do that. Yeah. Love it's it when they do that. It's a beautifully, beautifully done movie, the visuals are fantastic. The sets feel real and they feel like they're in a, uh, uh, like, in place. The character designs all work really well with each other. Like Robert Rodriguez's other popular films by Kids 3D, I really felt like the visual artists were given time to complete their work. The CG rarely looks clunky. (laughs) It it doesn't ever look off for the most part. The only issue I had with Alita lied to. uh, One was her speaking. Uh, There were definitely times where the, the sound was coming out or the lips were moving and they didn't feel like they matched up. That's not a big deal. Uh, You're dealing with an entirely CG face. But it felt noticeable at some times, and it sort of took me out of it, but that's not a a really big deal. And oftentimes the hair didn't feel like it flowed naturally. You know, like when she's walking. um, Mm -hmm. It was very clearly computer-generated.
1: Is there there an evident reason that they needed to do a CG face? I literally have no idea. Like all CG? I have no idea. Because I I mean... She's got big anime eyes, but like so does every character you know that has eyes in this that's I don't yeah. understand why,
0: so the only way that they use the eyes, obviously we're in spoiler territory. I don't know why I need to say that, but I just feel compelled to with the internet uh she has flashbacks in the movie, I think they're done very well. I'll get to them, but uh, the other women that she's fighting with also have those eyes big, so I could guess that it was a visual and artistic choice to denote who was the berserker who was the panzer and who wasn't when they were fighting that would be my oh, guess okay.
1: who's a cyborg of marsh martian origin yeah and who wasn't that would be my guess okay yeah i'm oh, cool that seems like an expensive choice to make for your protagonist but okay. i'd say so uh the eyes
0: really weren't that bad and i, I know you were afraid that <laughs> they might be uncanny valley i don't really think so uh i i told myself that she's a cyborg and so my brain wasn't saying like this looks off my brain was saying it's not supposed to look right she's a cyborg you know what i mean so I, mm. I was able to, you know, mentally navigate around that, which is fine. The rest of the animation was great. Cool. The attention to detail on the cyborgs was awesome. Uh, the first time she actually opens her eyes, her pupils dilate. And it's like a it's a close-up moment. And I know that's a natural thing. That's like, yeah, Dalek like put that in. But it's just like an attention to detail that I appreciated, especially because she's a cyborg and you didn't have to make her eyes dilate. You could have given me a reason why they don't. Uh, but she opened her eyes, and these big, big pupils dilate, and I'm like, I like that. You know, it, it was just a good touch. It was like you, – you just knew it. It's like watching Baby Yoda for the first time. You saw it, and you're like, I like that. You're like
1: – I want to buy I want to buy that. You're like,
0: I would literally die for that thing. <laughs> the technology of the world they live in feels like it's a natural progression from today. And it even, it even looks like, for the most part, an evolution of modern technology, including the hardships that they've obviously undergone with the war. Uh, where they're oftentimes like looking like they're making do with what they have. Because I I feel like too often futuristic movies try to basically like rewrite all of human history and make clunky or funny looking things to be, you know, to show that they're set in the future. But needless to say, there weren't any silver bodysuits in this movie. Uh, They they, they wore Hmm. regular clothes. Christoph Waltz wore scrubs when he was doing doctory things. And it made sense and it worked. And even if things wouldn't actually look like that in the 26th century, it felt necessary to me to do that because it didn't create like a sensory overload. You know, so every time that right. every time that they showed something on Earth, I wasn't sitting there trying to pick out all the cool pieces of technology or see how things have changed. For the most part, a door is a door. You know what I mean? So when there was a piece of technology um, that they wanted me to notice, I noticed them. And the same basically goes for like the food, too. So, you know, I always get I get annoyed when we see like future things and they have, you know, take your Nutra Pill and all this other stuff. The first thing she eats is an orange <laughs> and then later she eats chocolate. So we're not seeing, like, hmm. some food of the future that isn't the same as what goes on in modern day. We're, we're seeing something that, you know, I'm assuming oranges are going to be a staple food for a couple hundred years, and I'm, I'm happy that they did that. So I'm glad they didn't, you know— you know, they don't have nutrient pods. Hey, good for oranges. Good for yeah, oranges. Good for We're both Floridians. I'd like to see oranges stick around. I'm right there with you. The times that they do want to show off cool future tech and cool future stuff, it's done creatively and it is almost like the centerpiece of the shot. So for example, there's actually a cyborg guitar player in the very beginning uh, when she's kind of taking in the world that she's in and his whole arm, I think both of them are actually are outfitted with pieces that would be good for a guitar player. And he's just wailing on this thing. <laughs> and it makes sense like that was that's an innovative and creative way to show the potential use of the technology and how people actually would you
1: know like they're still going to be or like if you were a cyborg who was interested in music how you would
0: how you would modify yourself exactly yeah and you could tell he was like a busker so that's how he made his living so it made sense that he would get these upgrades to, to improve his guitar playing so I like that The like I said earlier the story begins with the celebratory lift when he finds her body and I, I think that's a good piece of continuity so uh, hats off the dialogue in the movie is actually great as opposed to the anime, the dialogue in the anime was not good. Really, the the dialogue in the movie is is really good. There were definitely times where I was saying I was like, "That was a great line." So, for example, in the beginning, Alita cries, and Ito looks at her and says, "Let's look at the bright side. Your tears are working." Um, and I, I don't know why, but that that line, the way he says it, the way it's delivered, the context, it just hits, and you are like, "Yeah, that, I guess that is the bright side." Like she
1: does have that going for her. Yeah, it's it's also Christoph Waltz, so you just like everything he says, you are willing to to believe and listen exactly. to and It just adds another level of like. Gravitas or sweetness, or he's just so talented. Yes.
0: When she first walks outside, she looks around, she looks up, she sees Zalem, and she goes, "What holds it up? Magic?" And Ito says, "No, something stronger. Engineering." Oh, dope! I like that. Dope. It's such a good line because it shows the place that we're in, and it shows who Alita is. Even though she is this, you know, ancient weapon from Mars, she's still innocent, and she still believes in magic. And then Christoph Waltz is like, no, something
1: better, baby. Engineering. Oh, man. And does it, like, zoom out at that point? Does it, like, shh? Like, is that, like, a zoom out point, or is that just a line? Uh, No, I think it's just a line. Oh, man. Yeah. That's my boy. That's my boy Dyson, bro. <laughs> That's my boy Dyson dropping those stick lines. Yes.
0: And basically, immediately after that, they show motorball on the screen. And uh, I wrote Chekhov's motorball, because it, like, was very obviously
1: <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> Chekhov's motorball, like Chekhov's gun. Yeah. That If it's shown in the beginning, it will play a... a in in, intricate and very important role in the third act if you if you show the gun in the beginning you have to shoot it by the end and Hmm. it was definitely a Chekhov's
0: motorball where you're like yeah i know you're going to do motorball later alita if i hadn't seen the preview i would have known next she becomes friends with the dog which is nice but i encourage everybody who wants to fight me on this she has an aladdin moment (laughs) from the first movie the first aladdin movie the, the the good animated one not the live action one uh, you know when he steals the food, and then he gives it to the kids, and then the kids almost get, you know, ran over by the horse, and then he, like, jumps in front of them and saves them? Okay. It's the, yep. it's literally the same
1: exact thing, but with the dog. <laughs> it's the same exact thing. It's an Aladdin moment. I'm glad you brought up dogs. I just want to hit on dogs real quick. Dogs in the, um, dogs in the manga. Uh, about 50 50 survival rate you said one explodes in the bar <laughs> in the anime yeah there's another one that gets its brains eaten in the manga i'm I'm curious about the movie how they treat the dog uh one dog he dies but
0: it's off screen but then the blood uh runs on the floor and she picks it up or takes it and then uses it as a uh, like eye black she puts it underneath her eyes war yep. paint war
1: paint actually she, she does she does that in the uh in the manga. With uh, a human. Oh, God. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So, Makaku's like feasting on some dude's brain mm -hmm. and she just like goes, goes Tim Tebow and puts the black eye black under her. That's nice. What is it? Um, Something 316. John 316? John.
0: John 316. So next, Alita, I would say, makes the movie. Rosa Salazar did a fantastic job. I don't think, Hmm. I don't think if she had done just such a good job, the movie would have been as enjoyable or believable as it was or engaging. Uh, She made her convincing. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have cared, and I wouldn't have rooted for her. Rosa Salazar is able to portray Alita as innocent, yet strong, naive, yet wise, and happy, yet stoic. And somehow they were able to capture the essence of a 300-year-old cyborg in a 17-year-old's body. And that's the only way that the movie could have worked. I will also say <laughs> she's not a Mary Sue. I know people have criticisms for the new Star Wars films. I'm not going <laughs> to—we've said enough about them, but a lot of people say that Rey is. Whatever your opinion is on that, I did not feel like Alita was a Mary Sue. Uh, she tries motorball for the first time with the humans. And gets absolutely knocked around, particularly by uh, Hugo's friend. And when she's trying to stand up, Hugo skates over, puts his hand out to her to pick her up, and she hits his hand away. And she stands up on her own. It doesn't. Nice. It doesn't feel preachy. It doesn't feel like the studio standing there and calling you a sexist. You know, because women are strong too and get over it. She just does it. Like she just hits his hand out of the way, and she's like, "I don't. I actually don't need your help up, Hugo. But thank you." She, you know, she gets up on her own. She's determined and she fights um, after failing. And I. I thought that was great. So I don't think she was a Mary Sue. I've seen people make the argument that she was. I I don't know why you would say that, in my opinion. It just it just didn't seem that way. She very clearly fails a couple of times. She very clearly isn't good the first time everything, you know, every time she tries something.
1: That's funny because in that manga, she totally is. And in Motorball, she's like a prodigy right
0: away. I mean, when she goes to the, the Motorball, the serious Motorball, she definitely, there's no hesitation she's the best. But that's also after, like, three or four on-screen fights. And in the motorball in the movie, they say killer. So it's not even motorball. It's just like gladiatorial, you know, roller derby,
1: and that's why she does it. Well. I don't know. In the manga, when she shows up with the berserker body in the manga, it's like cheat codes. Like it's game over. There's really no one to stand in her way. I would totally agree with you on that in the movie as well. Okay, I
0: hate to say it, but it's true. But I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, I, I'll say her relationship with Hugo is handled a lot better in the movie than in the anime, uh, he takes her to get chocolate because she's never had it. And she immediately exclaims, I have a favorite food now, which is like super cute. And you're like, oh, that's, that is that is something that she would say that's nice. There's a really, really good mo- moment where he takes her to look at Zalem. And they basically say, you know, he's like, look at, look at that view. Isn't it beautiful? And she goes, yeah, it is. Um, you can see the whole town from up here. And he goes, no, that view. And he points up to Zalem.
1: Oh, she's looking down. She's
0: looking at where she's from and on that. So it kind of shows the priorities between the two, which I really, really like that moment because it it shows their motivations and it kind of shows what they're interested in at that time. And I liked it. I thought it was good. So I did have a problem with their relationship at the beginning only because of the fact that, you know, he really associates himself with just humans, Hugo does, and he doesn't really associate himself with cyborgs. And so they like, (laughs) there's never a moment where his friend's, say anything about him being with a cyborg. And I feel like there would be some sort of like robophobia or they would call him like robophobic or something because they don't really ever show relationships between cyborgs and humans. It happens later. His One of his friends kind of says something and calls her a hard body, which I'm assuming is like a slur.
1: <laughs> Dang, that sounds brutal. I, if I call someone a hard body today, I would get slapped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he calls her a hard body and Hugo does get angry. I think he like hits him or something, but you know, you can tell it's, it's meant to be rude. I don't know. I just I wish there would have been more of a discrepancy. Like they would have gotten more stairs or something, but they didn't really get that. And you can tell he's like super, super selfish. Hugo is, Uh, and I know that he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be self absorbed. He's supposed to focus on Zolom, which is fine. At one point, when she's in her big motorball match, uh, Alita, the first time he gets in trouble, and he like calls her, and she just leaves, and she's only doing it so they can go to Zolom together. Because in this version of Alita, the only way you can get to Zolom is if you win at motorball, and so they decide that she'll win for both of them, and they'll go up. But then he gets in trouble, and he can't even okay, make the... Interesting. He can't even make the motorball game, because he has better things to do. And he's just like a bad boyfriend. And it's just annoying. <laughs> I did write at one point that he is going to get that super-turbo-vac-reverse-clockwise sucky-suck from Alita. That's mainly only because of the fact that I feel like uh, 26th century technology might might favor uh, humans in this, this equation, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. If they can make her do Panzer-Kunst, they're gonna make her do some other... other uh... Uh, acrobatic feats i'm sure exactly exactly
0: and there is there's one point where it's supposed to be romantic and it is romantic and it makes sense contextually but out of context it's super creepy she pulls her heart out of her chest and she's like i'll give this to you hugo i love you and uh that just ain't it for me dog <laughs> it was yeah that, that... it was cute it was romantic but it's like this like nuclear powered heart that's the best source of energy in the galaxy and she just like pulls it out and that that over overbearing girlfriend meme comes to life and her eyes get big and she's like I love you I die and I just I don't know it's just weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a, a, a one way street with that relationship and it's it's pretty much like that. It's like a crush more so in the manga. Yeah. You know? uh,
0: no, he they're they're mutual in the in the the movie and the anime. It's very one sided. Yeah. In, in the anime, it's one sided and she's obsessive and it's weird <laughs> and she threatens to kill him because he wants to go to Zalem. So uh, I don't know what to tell you about that one. As far as the cast goes, the casting was great. Uh, I'm surprised how good it was with the live-action casting. Christoph Waltz doesn't need an explanation whatsoever. He's amazing, no matter what he does. I, he had it in the anime as well. Did Ito have a rocket hammer in the manga?
1: Yes. Did He has it in the movie?
0: He has a rocket hammer in the movie, and it's awesome.
1: Bro. I did not think... I was reading it, and I'm like, there's no way they're going to have Christoph Waltz two-time Oscar winner with a rocket hammer. There's no way they're going to have of balls. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> they had the balls, trust me. There's also – he's really, really good dynamic with Lita, where it's like very clearly that he is her father, her father figure. How did he get – how did she get the name in the, the anime or in the manga?
1: In the manga, he names her after a cat that he also found in the in the scrapyard like pre, two years previous.
0: In the movie, he names her after his daughter who died that he had with Sharon. Sharon, Sharon, I do not pronounce her name. And the body that he was going to give – that he gave Alita the first time was the body he was going to give his daughter because she was like a paraplegic. And she uh, died. Okay. okay. Uh. So it's like very clearly that they have like a father-daughter relationship. And it's good. Uh, at one point, she's actually like talking about whether or not cyborgs and humans have relationships. And he just hits her with a, does this cyborg love a human? Because she's like sort of doing like that like, oh, my friend sort of deal. Uh-huh. It feels sitcommy, but it also works really well. And I liked it. What's also crazy is they give a flashback to Ito and his daughter. And it's actually this like amped up um, cyborg who is looking for drugs. And he comes into the operating room and just starts tearing it apart. And Ido tries to stop him. And Alita, the girl, gets in the way and and he kills her. Whoa. And it is this, like, powerful moment in the movie. And I didn't really need the backstory. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I could just assume she was dead, especially with the way that he and Sharon spoke to each other. But the fact that they made it, like, this drug-related thing really, really felt real. Like, it felt like something that would actually happen. And it was a good decision. Hmm. Jennifer Connelly. I realized I have a new celebrity crush. Uh, she's a baddie, which is one of my notes. And the other one is there are uglier ex-wives to have Ito, Unfortunately, like I said, we don't get to see
1: her, her titties in
0: this one. And I wrote, sorry boys, pack it up and head out. We'll get them next time. So Yeah, dude. Uh, fallen uh, Angel.
1: That's what, hashtag Alito2, Fallen Angel. That's what it's all about. Fallen Angel. We,
0: uh, it's just about her walking around without a top on. And I know I've, I've way too many times uh, commented on her physical appearance. She is very good for the role. She, she is uh, self-determined. She wants to get back to Zalem and she has a, a, a history with Edo and you can tell, and she plays it fantastically. So, you know, don't, don't attack me too much in the chat for <laughs> all my other comments. Mahershala Ali is great as Vector. Uh, when he is playing Nova, cause Nova like sees through him, you can tell and it's done really well. So I, I think he's great. He also references Paradise Lost, he, he says the, the rule in hell, then serve in heaven line, and it's just awesome. Mm. I, I like that there's that, like, cultural history there that we still hang on to and still reference, and uh, I'm glad they added that in. It wasn't in the anime. I don't know about the Minka.
1: I think we made a Paradise uh, Lost reference in, like, the first couple episodes of this podcast, so we'll probably have that oh, level we did. of staying power as well.
0: Exactly. Uh, and then as far as Rorschach went, uh, he was locked in there with Alita, and there's not a lot to say about him, Garishka, because... He was basically CGI the entire movie, so mm. it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Not a big deal, I guess. The motorball scenes were compelling. They were good. It was really easy to make them into CGI messes, and they weren't. I'm looking at you, the end of Black Panther, but it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they were well choreographed. She took hits. She was vulnerable. It was good. Junkie XL actually did the music for the movie, who did stuff like <laughs> BBS and a lot of other popular movies or well-known movies. Mm. And uh, he actually had a, I don't know if you know a lot about Junkie XL, he had his start with, like, Electronica and Techno, and it really thrives in the motorball scenes, which was good. Uh, Motorball, actually... I see him. Yeah. Uh, He did
1: Mad Max Fury Road.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, Okay. He also did Sonic the Hedgehog, which you can also uh, find. So this guy kind of, like, did the score for our show. For our podcast, I think we did a Deadpool (laughs) fan fiction as well. We did.
0: As far as motorball goes, the scenes were good. It kind of felt like BattleBots. Because they, they were like really gimmicky with their weapons. So if you're into that, I'm into it. I'll watch it. Uh, as far as Alita's motivation goes, it oftentimes felt inconsistent. And before people start to attack me, I just want to explain. She At first she wanted to find out who she was. Then she had a few flashbacks. Then she wanted to get to Zalem. And then she wanted to win at Motorball. And then she wanted to, you know, spend a life with Hugo. And mm-hmm. it's nothing wrong to fluctuate in motivation like that. But it is something that felt inconsistent in tone throughout the movie you know doing research for all of this i found one person reviewing it that said it felt like they adapted a manga into a movie and you know you talked about your villain of the week you know how you felt that the the manga kind of followed that that trajectory mm-hmm. and oftentimes it felt like motivation of the 30 minutes you know what i mean yeah. there's nothing wrong with wow. that uh it's just it's not the typical formula that you stick to with western movie like storytelling especially with mm-hmm. these action like big budget movies with cg and everything and okay. I could see why that would be off-putting to some people. I didn't have any problem with it it it, it flowed it flowed well for me, but it definitely was inconsistent and I definitely noticed it
1: i yeah I, I'm interested It doesn't bring up the idea of um, her trying to find herself through combat and like how you can live through the, like the, the battle with the, the like the glory of victory in battle It, it doesn't talk about that so the first time she fights, she has a flashback and that's she's
0: like, I need to start fighting again, you know, so I can remember oh, okay. who I am. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's essentially. She's more like the only relic. She doesn't have flashbacks in the manga. She's just like the only relic of my past is my ability to fight. So that is how I can manifest myself. Like I am while I fight, I am my original self. Um, mm-hmm. She like runs away and she makes this um, choice. She does two things, which I thought were really great in the manga. Again, I don't know if they're in the movie. I don't want to cut in too much, but um, she makes this choice to just become like a full time. Uh, weapon because it's like there's the only one thing she knows about her past, and it's that she can fight. So she wants to give up these pretenses that Ido has given her of being, like, partially human or being a girl or whatever. And she, quote, no longer wants to be a woman, but a piece of steel or razor's edge. And uh, she chooses to fight with the Damascus blade, which is made of Damascus steel, which is, like, an actual tempering uh, technique, which um, has a bunch of impurities. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, it uses, like, uh, impurities in the forging I was going to touch on that. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that's that's like hit hit on pretty pretty hard in the manga. So I don't know if that's in the movie because I feel like that addresses some of those criticisms.
0: Mm-hmm. So first off, super cool line <laughs> that's written. That's awesome. Secondly, as far as the Damascus go- Damascus goes, Zapan pulls out his blade and makes a big deal about how it's Damascus. And uh, I just made the comment that a Damascus blade isn't a big deal. <laughs> uh, Damascus blades are super common. They've been around for I think a thousand or so years maybe even longer the you know why they have impurities just cuz of how it's quenched right No, actually. So a Damascus blade, what you do is you take – it's sort of like plywood. If you think about you know, how plywood, you take different grains and you um, orient them different ways and you glue them together and it's stronger. Right. So a Damascus blade, it's mainly just the style of the blade where you take different um, types of steel and you weld them together and then um, you shape your blade however you want it. And then you actually uh, etch it with acid. You acid wash it. And Mm. uh, depending on the culture and the time period, they're super – super ton of techniques to do. I think one of them has to do with mixing borax with urine, and the acid from that eats away at the the top layer of the steel, and it reveals this beautiful, beautiful pattern. Damascus steel blades are, like, some of the coolest ones. Not as strong as some steels, not, not as soft as some steels, uh, but they do have impurities because they are made up of different metals, and uh, you get really, really cool patterns. There are, I think, dozens of different ways to make a Damascus blade, like, different techniques, mm-hmm. to, like, d- get different patterns out of them. And uh, I, I don't know. I just had I had a problem when I watched it when Zappan was like, "I have a Damascus blade," because it's like. I could literally go to probably Walmart right now and buy a Damascus cookie knife. You know what I mean? So it's like, find it. If they had said like, I have a, 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 you know, an electron sharp blade that the the tip of the blade is literally one atom sharp. I'd be like, whoa, that is awesome and futuristic. But they took something from like a thousand years ago. That's not a big deal. And they're like, it's a Damascus. And it's like, all right, <laughs> good for you. Well, they, you know what I mean? They
1: brought it again. They got it from the source material and it's, it has significance because it's supposed to like symbolize Alita and like how her beauty or even her strength is is imbued by her flaws and her, uh, you know, the impurities of her, her past is like a, as a killing machine and all that.
0: And that would make sense too, because if Damascus play is made out of two different, different steels, she's a cyborg part me, you know, part person, part machine. That's really, really right. cool. Symbolism. Similar, the person that's not she explained. used to be in part the person <laughs>
1: she is now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's not explained in the movie. So that symbolism is a lot cooler when you explain it to me. Um, I will say the moon, the, the flashback scene she has from fighting the first one takes place on the moon and it's awesome. It's like a moon like combat scene. It's super cool. Then does she go to a spaceship in the manga? Like a, a fallen, uh,
1: crashed ship? Like in, in man of steel. She like downloads Russell Crowe's like, bro, are you, are you know?
0: reading my, are you reading my notes right now?
1: <laughs> no, that's just what I hit me with. Um, no, no, not that I, not that I remember. now.
0: I wrote once she had an idea where she came from. She immediately goes to a spaceship that everyone sort of knows about. Um, Hugo takes her there and his friends then, like in Man of Steel, she knows exactly where to get a body, and everything seems to come naturally to her. Obviously, this was to effectively tell the story, but it just felt rushed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is my thought on it. I I, I get it. It's quick, uh, but at the same time, it was sort of like, oh, no, okay, you just found a body, and here's your berserker body. Good for you. Okay. And then, of course, Edo refused to. Attach her to it. And then I had a question where if everybody knows that these cyborgs existed 300 years ago and they almost ended the human race and, you know, <laughs> the reason why we live in squalor right now is because of them and because of the Mars people. Why is that when people see her in her berserker body, nobody cares?
1: How long ago was the battle?
0: 300 years, but they explained that it's nanotechnology that they still haven't figured out yet. So, A, why do you just have a spaceship sitting in the middle of, like, a lake that no one's, like, trying <laughs> to pick apart and understand? And then, B... You know, if you still technology you don't understand, it's still superior technology. You're not at least a little freaked out when she's walking around just flaunting her nanotechnology berserker body?
1: I'm going to give two answers, and both are founded in nothing but are just possible solutions to cover for the screenwriters. One being, you know, if it is such a horrific, like, you know, species-altering event as it seems to be, they probably would be like, you know, never forget, but also don't address what happened. Like, kind of cover it up and, you know, don't really try to dig too deep into it it kind of stands like a monument to the horrors of the past and they don't want to delve into it. Mm-hmm. That's an idea. Um, the other being, it, it could have been so far removed from the event that just no one remembers. No one knows. There's no one around. They also live yeah. in like squalor. So like probably no one there really, no one there even really was like educated on what happened.
0: Yeah. I, I wrote, it would be like uh, expecting me to freak out when I saw a uh, British red coat <laughs> from the revolutionary war. <laughs> However, he'd be holding the musket and I you don't, know, Uh, The point I'm making is that technology is not superior, so that metaphor, my own metaphor doesn't track too much. You would freak
1: out, though. You would freak out. You'd be pretty hyped.
0: Oh, I'd be like, oh, sick, dude. Yeah, let's take it back. I wrote that the bar scene and the fight after are a turning point of the movie, and they almost feel like they should be the climax, but they're not. Because, quite frankly, the movie movie doesn't really have a climax, you know what I mean, in a traditional sense, because of the fact that her motivations kind of shift. So I, I guess you could say there's a bunch of little climaxes, as opposed to, like, one big one. Uh, which, you know, hey, that's what I'm known for. Quantity over quality, my boy. <laughs> exactly, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's this big scene in the, the bar where they're all fighting. She kind of, like, gains respect to a lot of these hunter-killers. We get introduced to the Dog master, which I don't know if he's in the uh, the manga. He, he is in the anime, but in the movie, he's basically the best character because he is a cyborg that is just in control of a bunch of robot dogs that are, like, super killer, and uh, I think he deserves a Hulu show. You know, if, if Disney's got this property, he deserves his own show. I'll just watch him do whatever. He's cool. Uh, but she makes this big inspirational speech and it's like a big call to arms. And then nobody listens. And I like that because to me, it was just like another moment that she wasn't at Mary Sue because it was like, mm-hmm. oh, everyone actually thinks you're stupid and no one wants like no one cares about what you're saying. So sorry, little girl. But I like that a lot. And uh, it gets to the point where people aren't listening. She literally needs to punch a dude in the balls <laughs> to like yep. get him to
1: listen. Yeah, she punched them in the balls. In the, yeah, yeah I, I wrote, I hope they have cybernetic testes. <laughs> Let's just make this completely arbitrary weak point in the cyborg because it mirrors anime Exactly. There's one part that just kind of shows uh, her and
0: Hugo's relationship again where the, the fight's kind of like dwindling down and uh, Ido's kind of breaking it up. And Hugo is about to get wrecked by a cyborg. And she just destroys like two people right in front of him. And he just turns to the guy and he goes, oh, I'm with her. It's just, it's cute. It's funny. It just kind of shows what their relationship's like. Then this one doesn't show the dog graphically exploding, which is good, because that was awful. This is when she has her big climactic fight with Grushka. And I wrote that she got Anakin'd, because then, like, (laughs) she, like, charges after him. And in one attack, she loses all of her limbs except one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she got Anakin'd. She got Anakin'd from uh, Star Wars Episode Three. I I will say, you know how PG-13 movies are allotted one curse? Mm -hmm. She's fighting Grushka. She loses her... Limbs and he's like, oh, I was gonna show you mercy, and she does this like super cool flip with the one arm that she has and stabs yeah. him in the eye with her her fingers, and she just yeah. hits him with the straight up fuck your mercy.
1: Oh, that is pretty tight.
0: It was like the best allocation of a swear I've ever heard in a PG thirteen movie because it it was it was tonally it was the it was her lowest point in the film. She got anakin'd Right. She didn't know. You know, the dog just died. No one wanted to listen to her to help her fight Zalem. She didn't know if Hugo and Eo were okay, and she just like, I don't care about you, Grishka, And she just, fuck your mercy, it was great. The ending felt messy.
1: Wait, wait, is that how she takes it? is that how she takes him out with the, the arm and the eye?
0: No. No, no, no. So he that's actually the only time in the movie where you see Sharon and Vector implied that they were having sex was the scene immediately after, or close to after, uh, where she's in like nighty, like, you know, like lingerie, and he Mm -hmm. just, like, comes bursting through porch, and he's like, oh, she messed me up, and then Charon, you know, redoes her again. Uh, No, uh, Alita takes her out in the movie when she confronts Vector the last time, and she just straight up slices him in half, with the only part of his body remaining connected is his face, his skin human face. Mm. But the ending felt messy, and by the ending, I mean the whole whole situation with um, Hugo, and then him dying, and then them bringing him back together, and then him overhearing The thing about Zalem and then him uh, running to the line. It it was just like, that's such a big, to me, a big climactic moment because it is is Hugo's turning point where he's like, my whole motivation doesn't matter anymore. And he freaks Mm -hmm. out about it. Mm -hmm. It's sort of rushed. They do, I don't know what they do in the manga. They definitely don't do it in the anime. But they do a thing where um, Hugo is being hunted. And so Alita basically acts like she kills him and she connects his head to her heart with Charon's help. Yes. That's cool. That's a that's a really good moment. But it, I don't. know. That was sort of quick. Then they put him. They you know they put his head on the body super quick. Then the I will say the reveal with Christoph Waltz when he says that he's from Zolm this time is actually great. That when he the way he says it, the way it's delivered, the way it's written is actually really good. I actually cared this time, unlike in the anime. But when they're on the. You know they're on the line, and she's running up to him, and it just—it sort of felt rushed. And I—I I don't feel like that's the fault of the screenplay writers at all. I think it's a—I think it's a fault of the original story because the anime—the anime, the anime the way it happened in anime was bad. It was just straight up uninteresting and rushed and just
1: awful. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. In the manga, he just like finds out that mm. the Zalem pitch is a lie, and he's like, "Oh, I'm crazy now. I'm—I'm I'm like angry mad." And that's the end of the volume, and the next volume picks up, and he's dead, like within like 10 pages and I'm like, Oh wow, that kind yeah. of build up for nothing there.
0: So in the anime, that's when he has that stupid line of Zalem was when I met you, which is like, just say heaven, bro. Like, if that's what you're trying to say, just say it. <laughs> but in the live action in the movie, she looks at him and she says, we don't belong anywhere, but together because they're trying to figure out where they're going to belong, what they're going to do because he sells yes. a a out on his head. Mm-hmm. That punched me in the gut. That was great. Her, all of the way she acted, the way it was written on that final scene of her on the rope is next level. It's great. Uh, there's literally no complaint. I just, I, when I say it was weak, I mean the turn of events that got to that point. I felt like they could have allocated time from elsewhere and put it there. It's not a big deal. What well, I thought was interesting is, you know, there's the big climactic thing where he falls. When he starts to fall, she says, I love you. And he looks at her and he says, thank you. That's his last words to her. And I just, I was I wondered what the, the, the reason for that was. I understand that she like helped him realize that there was more to life than just getting to Zalem. But he didn't realize that until like um 30 seconds before. <laughs>
1: He says goodbye in the manga, by the way. That's it. He's like, goodbye, and just drops. Oh, my God.
0: And the anime, I don't remember what he says because it was just bad. I didn't want to think about it. And then after that, there's a final motorball scene where she's kind of like – she's sitting in the locker room. She's almost at the, the, the top elite level, and she's like reflecting upon what's going on. Christoph Waltz is acting like the best dad possible. There's a line where he looks at her, and he's basically like, I want you to go out there. I want you to win the match, and I want you to come right back here safe. And you're like, God, Christoph Waltz. Even when you play like a nerdy dad, you're the best. You you can play a, a genocidal Nazi. Or you can play a nerdy dad. And I'm going to be interested in it, no matter what you do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So that that whole thing is great. There's a really cool scene where she's like reflecting on what happened, and she she sheds one tear. It slides off her face, and she takes the Damascus blade and cuts the tear in half. Jeez. And that was cool. It kind of it, to me it proved that discipline beats emotion. And that, um, she was going to be a much more disciplined fighter and her actions were going to be more, um, thought through as opposed mm-hmm. to emotional, like she used to be. And I liked that. Cool. I thought that was good. And, uh, then at one point when the announcer is announcing her, he calls her the battle angel. And I had that moment from family guy where I'm like, they said the name of the movie in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Overall, it takes itself seriously, which I think is very refreshing.
1: Overall out of 10, you give it.
0: <laughs> out of Out of 10. Uh, the premise is obviously unbelievable, but it doesn't matter because movies that aren't afraid to be sincere have something that most movies these days don't. It To me, I know we have discrepancies on Aquaman. I personally feel like Aquaman is an honest movie in the fact that it knows it's cheesy and it embraces it. And I think Alita is sort of in the same vein. Uh, it, it knew where that it was emotional and it wasn't afraid to be emotional it knew that Alita was saying important things, and it wasn't trying to cut them down with jokes. And I'm looking at you every Marvel movie ever. Because of that, I think that's why it works so well. I think that's why it has such a following, and I think that's why people are so passionate about it. She mm-hmm. says things that, other, you know, she, you know, she's like, you know, I will not stand by in the face of evil. You hear a line like that, and as a modern moviegoer, you expect to hear someone cut through it with like a fart or something uh because it's just really funny when that happens and I don't wanna like express real emotions because then if it doesn't turn out that way I kinda get embarrassed. But she says this and she's not taken seriously and it actually frustrates her and you're like I know you said that genuinely, Alita. I feel bad for you. I also don't want you to stand by in the face of evil. And it works. Uh it's just it's just good. So that's that's where I feel with it. As far as little things I picked apart, again these are all nitpicks. He picked up her brain, you know he picked up her body in the very beginning. How is her brain preserved for that long in the trash heap? It's like 300 years it was sitting there.
1: It's not, it's synthetic, it's not real.
0: That wasn't, unless that was made clear in the movie and I didn't know that, it didn't mm-hmm. seem like it was made clear in the movie. I thought she was like a cyborg, cyborg, but I, I could have mm-hmm. just not gotten that part. I am stupid. Uh, naming her after his dead daughter is predictable. It felt Western. Uh, I know that's not how they did it in the other. Obviously, we talked about it. In the bar scene, the bartender has an eye patch. Yes. My thought was like, why does he need an eye patch? There are literally people who are like 95%
1: machine. <laughs> he's so stubborn. He's he's like a, he's a, a, yeah. a bigot against robots. He's like, even if it'll help me, you know, I'm not going to do it. Exactly.
0: I wrote, there are definitely times where it feels like there are many arcs adapted from a manga. This movie brings up the question of whether it is effective to make a straight adaptation or to just adapt something for film. Was this the most effective way to adapt and tell the story? I'm not one to answer that. We've had conversations like that on the the show before, but I think that's just a good question to ask. We already talked about the Damascus Blade, but I I was going to bring that up because it's it's not special. In the, I don't know about the manga, and anime, it's the same way. Rishka is basically just a face at this point. Like, he really has nothing else. He's just like a big tank. Why Mm -hmm. even keep the face skin at that point? Why? so people can identify you you gotta have someone to talk to yeah i guess i don't it just didn't make any sense it's like you can't be everything else but that i think it to me it was just like the artistic choice in the manga to be
1: shocking i will say in in manga in the manga the that is somewhat explained because makaku gurushka whatever gets a tragic backstory okay the next thing
0: i said was after alita got anakin i would have liked to see her be hesitant the next time she had engaged engage in conflict sort of like she remembered what it felt like to have her limbs chopped off, but instead she just kind of like jumped right into it. Again, that doesn't really matter, but I don't know, just like a little thing that I would have added something for me. It took her an, uh, an hour and a half into the movie to actually compete in Motorball.
1: Hey, it took me like it took me like four days of reading to get to the Motorball, so that's that's a pretty accurate depiction of the time. Yeah, I just, I, if, I feel like if Motorball was going to be big, they should have leaned
0: into it more or just not had it at all or not made it as it's, big of a deal. Sounds like they should have cut it. Yeah. The motorball scenes are engaging, but she's not even playing motorball for that long. It's just, it seems more like a convenient way to guarantee that she'll get to Zalem than it does anything else. And they feel like they could have done something else. In the anime, he just needs a million credits and he can get there, even though it's a lie.
1: 10 million in the manga. is interesting.
0: Maybe it's 10 million in the the anime. I could be wrong. Uh, Why haven't they tried to understand the Mars technology? in 300 years. Mm -hmm. It, uh, like you said, she puts on the Mars armor and she's just OP. I I put, she's overpowered and it's a little too convenient. You know, she, she puts on the berserker armor and immediately no one can, can handle her. I, it also felt a little unconvincing that she was using her fists and she had like big tanks. She was fighting that had guns and, you know, whip hands and all these other things. And she was able to take him down by just punching them at the end. Uh, before she has to kill Hugo to save him, uh, when she leaves Motorball, she literally murders like 11 people on the way. That are, like, trying to fight her. (laughs) When they get there, he basically is accused of killing one person, even though he didn't. And she's just, like, totally, like, just a mess because she thought that he killed one dude. (laughs) And
1: I'm
0: like, you literally murdered, you murdered, like, 11 people or whatever (laughs) the number is, four even. People on the way here. They're robots, they don't count. I guess so. But, like, she's, she's, like, upset that he, like, might have killed one person. At the end, Zapan gets his face cut off. Like, his whole, like, half of his face just is, sliced by the blade. But Mm -hmm. then he's, like, still talking. And you can see, like, his teeth and his, like, tongue and everything. And his jaw's gone. And I'm like, so, is there a voice box making his voice? In which
1: case, why does he even need to move his mouth? <laughs> you bring up a great point. It's like, why do they need anything? It's because it's a steampunk, cyberpunk kind of thing. No, yeah. I get it.
0: I get it. I get it. The Centurions, the big the big robots that, like, you know, guard everything, they have guns. But at the very beginning, they're like, oh, guns are outlawed. So it's like, oh, okay, well, they're outlawed unless you're the police. And then you can have guns. Looks like we're living in Great Britain. You got God again. Got him. <laughs> And then, and then finally, this is like my, my, my main thing, which I didn't think about until a couple days after watching the movie. Her big thing at the end is to destroy Zalem, and it ends with her pointing a, a sword at the sky mm-hmm. and, you know, directed towards Nova, basically, and you know, the, the crowd's chanting Alita and it's this big triumphant moment. But destroying Zalem seems counterintuitive to the existence of the human race. <laughs> it's the only floating city left, and it's the only thing that provides the rest of the people on the surface with, you know, supplies. And taking it down sort of helps nobody. You know what I mean? Like, if she destroyed Zalem like she wanted to, what are the people on the ground going to have
1: after that? They won't have to live in service of Zalem anymore, because they live and send them scraps and goods and things like that. So what, they're just going to die? They don't have a purpose after that? I don't know. Well, now they can go and be their own people. They can be self-determinant and go, you know, grow their own crops the, or something. The entire world is empty. You could do that anyways. It's true. Well, they're, they're, they're trapped in the capitalist Society of Feeding Zalem. They've got to make those credits.
0: I also say that a flashback basically tells her to destroy Zalem, and it's one of her counterparts, Mm, one of the other cyborgs from the past. So her hate for Zalem is sort of leftover programming. And it doesn't seem like a good justification to destroy it. (laughs) It's almost like the war is not over yet. And she's trying to end it with the way that they talk about Zalem throughout the movie. Like, yeah, they're a bunch of rich people and they, you know, they're people in the bottom are living for scraps and stuff, but it's never like really made out that they're evil. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need, I'm not entering a situation thinking that people live in Zalem are evil people by nature. Especially with the fact that it's like super, super, super fetishized or like super, like, talked about how great it is by um, Hugo. So the fact that she wants to destroy it all of a sudden, and she's especially since he wanted to get there and she was going to go there, it's just the motivation just seems weird. It just seems wonky. It, it, it sort of seems like they just got there because they had to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get that. Uh, it, it's kind of dropped too. She doesn't really have a vendetta against any at least from what I read in the manga. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, that is that is my that's my full review uh i i'm sorry i'm not going to rate it and i i hope uh i was fair what do, you, what do you think
1: well um sir i think everything you said was absolutely outrageous and uh, completely off base and um i can't believe you gave it a seven out of ten i can't believe you said that you know jennifer connelly is a baddie oh sorry yeah oh the jennifer the connelly right effect now. the jennifer connelly effect you did give it an 11 out of 10 privately yeah <laughs> <laughs> multiple viewings yeah Mm-hmm. You said I could bounce a quarter off that cinematography, and I was very confused. That's exactly what I said.
0: Overall, I did enjoy the movie. I liked watching it. I would watch the movie again. Like I said, I'm not gonna give it a rating. I think you can tell what I thought about the movie from me explaining. I very, very obviously see why it has such a,
1: a big following. It deserves it. Mm-hmm. It deserves it. Okay, well, that's that's what I need to know.
0: It does, and I, I will say, I want to. I just want to point out something that I think is big. It's a big trend in movie making right now. Big trend in, in storytelling, and I think it's an irresponsible trend on the studio's parts where they sell you promises that they cannot guarantee they'll deliver on. This movie very clearly sets up a second one. The story is very clearly not finished. If anything, you know, one, one almost felt like a gigantic setup for two Ugh. where we're going to establish everything. We're going to establish all the relationships and then we're going to establish the villain, uh, Ed Norton at the very end. And now we're going to tell you the real story because now you know everything that's going on.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's so, so irresponsible. It's such a money grab why would you even make the movie if you don't even think you're going to make the second one? I understand it was a studio. They got bought out. It still could possibly come. But it, there shouldn't need to be a big fight like this. The moment that you commit to adapting Alita, you either give a very, very clear ending to the story or you don't make the movie at all. You know, what I mean? mm. there, there's no reason to have it open like this and teasing. And it obviously reflects upon the fact that every movie nowadays has to be a universe, you know, a bigger, bigger franchise, bigger universe. Every movie has to be a, a reboot or a continuation of something else. And I'm, I'm just personally annoyed by that. The, the people who love this movie don't deserve to sit there and be basically, according to the story, promised a second movie because it's exactly what it feels like and then have that taken away from them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You really have to, you have to, you gotta, you gotta walk before you can run and before you can walk, you gotta crawl. So you gotta make a good movie before you can think about multiples, you know, you gotta make something that stands exactly. own. and like, if that was it, you could walk away from it and you know, be completely satisfied.
0: Yeah, because I know I bring everything back to Dune, so I'm going to bring it back to it anyways. He wrote the first book, and it was, if this even gets published, I'll publish it. And he wanted the second book, he wanted to include in the first one. It would have made it entirely too long. But he wrote the first one, wrote the second one, and then he, you know, they said, well, why did you write the third? And he said, well, I I had an idea for the third one. I was only going to write it if people wanted it, but the second one ends pretty definitively. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you could tell that he was setting it up for a third one, but it didn't have to go into a third one. You could have just kind of left it up to your imagination. I would say, is the first one unfinished without the second? The first one could have stopped right then and there. Most people only read the first book, and that's all they ever read. The fourth one ends, and it's like, okay, cool, universe is over. And then he writes the fifth one. And the only reason he writes the fifth and the sixth one is because he was guaranteed, he already had a fan base, he already had an established universe, and he was writing a new story that is its own trilogy, but it's based off of the first four. So my point is the groundwork is already done. It was already done properly. It was already done in a way where if he only had ever written the first Dune... That would have been fine. You know what I mean? Like Man of Steel, if we only ever got Man of Steel, that honestly would have been okay. I really like Man of Steel. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. really set itself up for a second one. There's not a big reveal of Lex Luthor at the end. He just flies off in the sunset. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. I just, I feel like it's for everything good that the MCU has done for movies and for storytelling and for comics and for, you know, popular culture, there are definitely drawbacks. And I think this is one of them. You know, we, we always expect post-credit scenes now, and maybe we can blame that on Pirates of the Caribbean, but don't blame it on Pirates Pirates of the Caribbean. I love (laughs) that that trilogy, but you know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're, we're we're growing up and growing up or, you know, living, I should say, uh, we grew up in a, a big franchise hungry world and no, everything has to be a franchise now. And this is obviously, this was going to be something that Fox was going to put their foot on the gas with, and I just think it's irresponsible to tell stories that way. Tell me, I bought a ticket for Alita Battle Angel. I did not buy a ticket for the first part of a series. Yeah, you didn't get, You didn't pay to see Alita 2 Fallen Angel, the prequel. Exactly. The people who are fans of this movie, diehard fans, have every right to be the way that they are. I mean, quite frankly, they do. And they want to get their, their movie so badly. Like I said, I think they deserve it. I hope they get it. And if they it, if it get it, I'll probably watch it because I, I enjoyed it. The movie was done very well and the graphics were great. Rosa Salazar was amazing. If Christoph Waltz is in it, I'll be there. I just wish it was handled more responsibly. I, I guess it's just the best way I could put it. There's there's no reason that it needed
1: to end on a such a heavy-handed setup for a second movie. Hmm. Do you think even if it had been uh, self-contained and kind of satisfying, more focused, if it had that twist at the end setup, do you think that you'd still be as upset that there was a setup? Okay, so when I say this, it's not a, a direct attack at anybody in the Alita fandom,
0: but it's just a, this is just a general trend of fan culture nowadays. It's a bigger criticism on popular culture. There is an entitlement around sequels and prequels and extra things, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's very clear with, with Star Wars. You know, people feel entitled to a Disney Plus show and another Disney Plus show and another trilogy and a set of books. And it's not like it, you know, it's not like it, or at least we like to imagine it was back in the day where the story came out and it was done. I mean, I can't tell you how upset I am that they're going to make another Back to the Future movie. That trilogy is perfect. Don't touch it. <laughs> There's no reason to. They should have never made an Indiana Jones 4. <laughs> That trilogy was perfect. They did the prequel TV show, but it was good because it was good in its own right and it wasn't trying to be the movies. I do feel like if the movie was self-contained and it had a satisfying conclusion, there still would have been a portion of the population that wanted a second one and felt entitled to a second one. I'm not using entitled as a bad word, but just a way to describe it. However, I don't think that there would have been as much of a passionate fan base. Basically, you know,
1: screaming for one because it was self-contained. Oh, okay. So this 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 um, promise seemingly potentially hopefully not empty promise of a second is like an egregious uh, affront, which has caused people to to point out like it's practically injustice. And that has drawn more people to the cause than you think normally would have been if it had been more self-contained.
0: Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself and I didn't.
1: Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying.
0: And it's the same. I'm, I'm a nut job. I want the Snyder cut so badly. I can't stand it. I've told people I would pay $50 a ticket to go see that movie. And I would bring my friends. The only reason I feel entitled to it is because of the fact that there was studio interference. His daughter died. He can't change that. And very clearly the final product was not what it was supposed to be. Uh, It's not what we were promised in the trailers. It's not what we were promised with the setup of the other two movies, three movies that came before it, four actually. So, you know, when you're making these promises as a studio, it's, it's definitely irresponsible. And it's annoying as a fan who's passionate to know that some executive who doesn't care about the property like you do, they just care about making money on the whole, or at least that's the assumption, has
1: creative control over something and you know has the power to say yes or no. That's where I want to get. I want to stop caring so much about these stories and just start making money off of them. That's what I thought we were going to be doing with this podcast, but now all we do is care about these stories. Look at this. I didn't even know what this yeah. was until we started doing it. Now, I've, now I'm invested. Oh, dude.
0: I, I literally have written academic papers about fan fiction now. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> uh, but that that's where, I, that's where I stand with it. I said... It's a good movie. I enjoyed it. I would watch the second one if it came out. I think it deserves a second one. Fanbase is totally justified. And I feel like if you're a responsible fan, if you're being honest with yourself, because I can be honest about the movies that I like that I know have faults... It has faults. It has flaws. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with a movie not being perfect. And I, why would a perfect movie would be boring? I, I just think
1: it would. <laughs> yeah, let the perfect okay. movies be like the art movies. I mean, that's not. this is not supposed to be a perfect movie. It's not going for that, is it? Is it supposed to be? No, it's a popcorn flick,
0: man. It's something that you walk out. It's cheesy. She says some inspiring stuff, and you feel good when you walk out of it. And that's what it's supposed to do, and that's what it does. It does it really well. You see some cool graphics. You're, you're taking to a future uh, that's you know not the world we currently live in, and you can Jennifer there. And have some fun. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly is there, and unfortunately, she's not like her anime counterpart, but that's that's okay. I can look past that. <laughs> uh, Christoph Waltz is there too. <laughs> I guess that's cool. He's topless a lot in the movie. I heard oh, he's so ripped, bro. So I, I, I I'll I'll end it at, he, at he's so ripped, bro, because I could keep
1: going, but I think I think I've I've spoken my piece. What do you think? I think so. I think that's pretty good. I, again, I have not seen the movie at all, so I think that's a that's pretty nuanced. I think that shades it a little more positively than i would have expected i I didn't really from the coming attractions and promotional materials i did not think it was going to be that great but you know i I would be willing to check it out now i'm definitely going to see see what it's all about you've seen like, very level-headed, and you had the same level of expectation that maybe I did.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I'll be I'll be totally honest with you, up front. When I saw the trailer, it was not a movie I thought I was going to like. When I started watching the movie, I was like, this is not a movie I would typically go and see on my own. At the end of the day, can I still acknowledge that I enjoyed it, and I had a good time watching it, and it was good? Absolutely. Mm. You know, we, I mean, we all have our tastes, so uh, it's not something that normally fits into my movie-going taste, but it was great. You know, it was, it was, it was something that didn't need to. It stood on its own. <laughs> um, so that being said, what are you stoked on? That
1: isn't a lead battle angel. I was about to say I mean there only can be one thing that I'm stoked on and it's it's a lead a battle angel. If you're gonna make me pick something else that I'm stoked on I uh, I'm st- Okay, I was st- I'm stoked on an app. I'll send you on this. There's an okay. app and it's called Libby. I don't know if you've heard of it. It runs off of the no. Overdrive system. I don't know if you've heard of Overdrive, but it's another app, but it's um essentially the app-based e-reader version of libraries. You go to your local library if you live in the United States, go to the library. Get a library card, and then you pretty much can plug that library card number into this app, Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, and download and read any book ever. And you have it instantly, and you rent it for, you know, a week, three weeks, and you're able to just read on demand anytime. Uh, Over the past couple weeks, I've really just, like, replaced... You know, if I'm, you know, waiting for laundry to get done or I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. waiting for a bus or something, you know, not really taking too many buses these days, uh, replace just like scrolling through Twitter with reading like a couple pages of a book. And that's been really enriching and great. So the Libby app where you can get books for free, audio books for free, comics for free, pretty much anything that's at the disposal of your local library, which is probably a lot more than you think. Yeah. You can get on the Libby app, and I've kind of just fallen back in love with libraries and through this app, which has made it a lot easier, especially when I can't necessarily go to the library to get books. Well, that's awesome, dude.
0: That sounds really cool. I've heard of it. I've just never met anybody that's used it. The only person I know that's like that is I have a friend at school who um, does something similar but with the digital collection school offers. So that's awesome. That's really, really cool. So L-I-B-B-Y, Libby?
1: L-I-B-B-Y, Libby.
0: And is that Android and Apple or just Apple?
1: Android and Apple. Um, you can also get the OverDrive. Nice. App. It's a little less user friendly, but it's, it's uh, the engine that Libby runs on.
0: Okay. And do they have it for tablets too, or is it just for phone?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can get it on your computer as well. It's a it's a desktop app. It's a iOS app, uh, Windows app. It could be anything.
0: Well, sweet. I mean, that's that's going to come in handy for a lot of people if they like to read, because especially with you know un, uncertain financial times, um, I'm sure that will be utilized a lot more often than it was before. So that's awesome. That's that's a really yeah. cool. Yeah. on.
1: Libraries are a really great resource. So, with him stoked on libraries? But the e-library through Libby, um, it's, <laughs> e-library, right? yeah, towards that. What, what about you? What are you stoked on?
0: So, I'm taking a, a class for for school. I actually just finished it, but it's called uh, Screening the Holocaust, and it was a graduate level graduate level course uh, where we just watched Holocaust movies. And I know that sounds awful, but it's it's not as bad as it sounds. I promise you. There's one. You know, I was sent like a list of movies to watch for the final week because uh, the schedule got thrown off because of what's going on obviously. And there was one that said it was a Hungarian movie and I'm of Hungarian ethnicity. So my I've never been to Hungary. Uh, I have family members who speak Hungarian, but that's about as far as it really goes. And I was like, "Oh, I'll watch this Hungarian one because, you know, almost all the other movies I've watched have been about Poles." And I was like, "Yeah, we need some representation in these Holocaust movies. Tell me about how my people were affected." And I did I literally knew nothing about the movie, uh, but it's called Son of Saul. Um, S-A-U-L, Son of Saul. It opens up, and it's just this dude in a field. It's The movie was made in 2015, so you know the typical aspect ratio now is 16.9 for, mm-hmm. for films. Mm-hmm. So this movie was shot in 4.3 or some, something around that, uh, but it was shot in color, and it focuses on the dude's face, and I'm like two minutes in, and I'm like, why are we only focusing on this guy's face? And it basically tells the story of a Commando, which is the group of Jews Uh, in auschwitz who were selected to do the dirty work for the nazis so they were the ones who led the people off the trains put them into the rooms made them strip down and then took them into the showers and then basically processed the bodies Uh, i know i'm getting really really bleak here but it's a real thing they're called sonderkommandos like s-o-n-d-e-r-k-o-m-m-a-n-d-o-s sonderkommandos And, uh, there were these people who were Jewish or political prisoners or, you know, homosexual, they were, they were prisoners and they were forced to do the dirty work. And it was about this this guy named Saul, uh, who the very beginning of the movie sees a little boy who lives through the gassing, but ends up dying anyways, because he chokes after it's all over with. And he gets it in his head that this kid was his son and that he needs a proper burial uh, with a rabbi present, which isn't something that's. You know, explicitly necessary for a, a Jewish burial. But the entire movie is him living through these awful things but just trying to find a rabbi so he can bury the kid without incinerating him. Hmm. And, you know, a bunch of things go on. He puts himself into a bunch of bad situations. It only takes place over the course of about a day, day and a half. But you really... It, not only does it really show what Sonderkommandos Commandos did, which is a lot. For example, there's one scene where he's shoveling ashes into a river by, like, the truckload. But there's another scene where... They don't have any room in the, the showers and they don't have any room in the overnight camps. So they're just taking them out into the forest and digging mm-hmm. holes and, you know, shooting them and throwing them in there. It's it's just this, it's a very close up movie. It, it rarely ever leaves his face if it does. And um, the first time, the first time that I realized that the sound was going to be significant was th- three minutes in where he helps the people into the room and they close the doors and then you hear the screams. And again, I know I'm sorry, very bleak. But they don't, they don't, they don't hold any punches with the sound. So um, where the where the the movie is, is close up and on his face, and it's it's shot in aspect ratio that's not standard. The sound is panoramic, and it's this really disorienting process because you're only seeing things that he's experiencing. But in the background, you're seeing, you know, he's focused. You see his face. He's determined to find a rabbi. At the same time, he has a naked corpse that he's dragging across the ground and taking to an incinerator. And just the juxtaposition between his intentions. And what's going on behind him are just so stark. I, there's just really not much I can say about it that would do it justice. I, I'm trying to describe it so you like get a feel for what the movie is, but the movie itself is just it just pulls no punches. Uh, I read a quote from the director, who's a, a Hungarian, and he said, "Most uh, Holocaust movies tell the story of survival, but that wasn't the story for most of the people that went through it." If that can give you an idea of what happens in the movie, so I, I'm on. Un- I guess I can be stoked on a really good movie, even if the content is very sad. It, it did win Best Foreign Film at the Oscars. It's an Oscar-winning movie, and it ran. It won the Grand Prix at Cannes in 2015.
1: Okay, so th- this is you know this isn't just you saying you like this movie as as you've said about other movies such as Batman v Superman. This is a critically acclaimed film.
0: Yes, this is critically acclaimed. Um, almost as good as Batman v Superman. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But it does the one of the many things that it shares with Batman v Superman is that it is in Alex's pantheon of great film. I would
0: I would agree with that. Yeah. Now this is over the course of the course, I've probably watched like twenty plus Holocaust films. Most of them are not American, so most of them are made by people who were directly affected by it. I know people in America were directly affected by it, but generally most Americans weren't. God, I, I this one has just stuck with me. It's uh, it's a four dollar rental on Amazon, if Ooh. you have the hour and forty minutes. I I. I cannot recommend it enough. It's a really heavy movie. You're not going to be able, be very happy at the end of it. My instructor told me that the th- the main theme of the movie is the death of God. If that gives you an idea of what the movie's like, mm. but the the composition, the the composition, the cinematography, the acting, the casting, the story, I I can't I, I really can't compliment it enough. Uh, it's it's there's not a drop of English in the whole entire movie. You're going to be, be reading subtitles. It's an it's in Hungarian uh, and German. And that Yiddish. was my question um, is. Is subbed yeah. or
1: dubbed in keeping with the episode. Subs. Subbed or dubbed. Subbed. Subs, subs, subs. So I'm I'm stoked on that, even though it's a depressing stoked on. <laughs> I mean that sounds like a that sounds like a phenomenal film. So yeah, it doesn't sound like a, a pleasurable thing, but it does sound like a an enriching and a, almost educational uh, experience. So that's something I would check out for sure.
0: Yeah, the way that I the way that I talked about it is that there are some Holocaust movies that spoon feed you the evil, and I get tired of it. I know they were bad people. I don't need you to tell me that. I've seen the photos from. the the camps. I've seen the footage from the camps. I know how bad those people were, but this tells you a personal story about a guy who's living and experiencing something. And because you're, because you're focused on his personal experience and you're getting the ancillary evils, it's almost more impactful because you're like, I'm not even focusing on the people in the background being burned. I'm focusing on why this guy can't find a rabbi. Mm. (laughs) So it's just, yeah, I, I, (laughs) very enriching. I would say so. You, you don't walk out of it happy, but you're not supposed to. (laughs) It does its job very well. So with with that very sad note and with us talking for incredibly too long about Alita, this might be our longest episode ever, Ryan, I will say thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Please don't attack me too hard in the comments. If you liked us, please rate us and review us and share us and talk about us and let us know what we did wrong or or right in any sort of comment section that you can. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, YouTube, follow us on the podcast app you normally listen to. And, uh, yeah, we really want to appreciate or just say how much we appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for hearing our dumb opinions on things that we are not experts on. Uh, If you want to talk about things I'm experts on, I probably wouldn't get as many listens on this. And Ryan probably would because he has front interests, but I don't know about that.
1: Hey, regardless, I'm still going to be here to go over it with you. It'll be me and you, buddy. Exactly. You're my bud, dude. That's it. You're my dude, bud. You're my my guy, bud. Uh, With that, Ryan, what can we remember? To all the discerning souls trapped on their mortal coil listening today, I would like to say thank you and welcome to a small piece of our fanfiction dynasty. To quote Alita Battle Angel by also quoting Nietzsche, the spirit is but a plaything of the body. So let us go out and be like the Damascus Blade and let the impurities of our personalities and our bodies be the very thing that divines our beauty. You have a wonderful day. Jennifer Connelly's hot. I smash.